This is Matthew Stubblefield with Adaptivist. My regular co-hosts, Ryan Spilken and Brenda Burl, are both gone this week. Brenda is in Toronto. She's actually speaking at the Atlassian User Group meeting there this week. And Ryan Spilken is off enjoying the great pine forests of northern New York State. Uh, which leaves you here with me, and also with our very exciting... Uh, guest slash co-host this week, Kara Gecki. Hi there, happy to be here. Really excited I am not alone in this this thing that Ryan coerced me to do. I might be a little bit jealous of his uh, time out in nature, though. That sounds, <laughs> maybe, that could be good. He's got his chainsaw going. He, he finally got his instant pot for all of his cooking needs. <laughs> it's been a good week for him, from what I hear. The banner week. So this week on Adaptivist Live, we are going to go through the usual updates to cloud and release notes to Atlassian software so you don't have to. We're going to talk a little bit about how Atlassian prioritizes features for server and data center products, which is an interesting blog post uh, that they had. And then uh, a little bit about transparency at work and managing that work-life balance that so many of us find elusive. But let's start with Atlassian Cloud and the recent updates since we, we last spoke with you all. Over the last few weeks, we've had some updates about agility projects. These are new projects available in Jira uh, that give you a lot of power. Um, they don't have a lot of features yet. Those features are still rolling out iteratively in the cloud. And one new one uh, is the ability to automatically set priority or description on a transition. So we, we talked about this last week, uh, or, or a couple weeks ago, where you could automatically set the assignee. Um, now you can set more fields. And according to the, the notes, more and more of these are gonna be coming. So uh, that's a feature. That's a thing, <laughs> that's a thing. Uh, I'm excited about this uh, fix to the bug where we can log time using local time zones. The COO at Adaptivist, Tom Lasparini, is a dear man who really has a heart for people working on the weekends. Mm. And if you've got a time zone span of more than 12 hours, you might have something show up as, I worked on Sunday or I didn't work on Monday, you know, with that Friday-Saturday overlap, and then Tom might give you a call concerned about your work-life balance, which we'll get to later. And so uh, now he can, he can save the calls and, and have his fears allayed that, no, no, we're not working on the weekends. Yeah, it makes it a little bit easier without having to do that mental math. Uh, on cloud, it was set to just server time in the past. So, you know, if your if your server was set to GMT uh, or UTC, you had to do the math and go like, oh, I'm going to start this at 2,300 hours. Um, but now you can do that local. Uh, one other big change in cloud, I, and by big, I mean really small, but potentially helpful to you, <laughs> is <laughs> if you've got a Jira project with multiple software boards, associated with it, you can search for those from the sidebar. So I'll search all the time. Enjoy your searches, people. <laughs> you can search. you can do them now. Um, really highlighting this iterative deployment that Atlassian has going. But it's not just cloud that's got a lot of big updates um, this week. There are actually some some really big changes in Jira software. It's 7.11. Uh, you wouldn't think a point release would have too many exciting things. 
Um, and we just got done talking about 7.10 not long ago. Uh, but we do have a couple of things with 7.11. This one has a ton of bug fixes, but the improvements to basic search are really nice too. Yeah, so this, this version of Jira software actually has a nice emphasis on the development tools. So if you've got Jira software integrated with Bitbucket, using the basic search, you can find tickets associated with open pull requests uh, or things of that nature. And this is something that, you know, years ago, we would have to engineer some clever way to make this more visible. So for instance, you might have a workflow status uh, titled pull request, and you would set up a trigger in the workflow where when a pull request is created, the issue would transition and do this and that. Uh, but this is all becoming just much easier to work with. It's all being integrated and built in. And so that's, that's really cool. Uh, similarly, um, and this actually came out um, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, but in the SD Times, uh, and as usual, we will link these articles in the description of the SoundCloud, uh, there's feature flagging integration coming to Jira software. Uh, so if you've heard of Launch Darkly or Rollout, uh, or even if you haven't, that's okay. I'm happy to describe it to you. Um, <laughs> what feature flagging is, is you add a feature to your software, um, but you don't want to give it to everybody just yet. You want to have it kind of tested. And Adaptivist does this with a lot of our products where we'll add something, but it'll kind of be disabled. Um, that's called a, a flag. And it, it makes it where you can flip that flag to turn things on or off based on context. Helps with testing, helps with limiting your rollout. So instead of making a change for a third of all Jira systems, which would be what had happened if we, we just switched something on in Script Runner, um, you can do it on a limited subset. Uh, and it lets you manage that. Well, Jira Software is going to bring some integration with those, so you can search for issues uh, based on releases. You can you can you know manage that or uh, see that feature management through it. Um, that's just a really cool integration, and uh, it's an, it's really nice to see in Jira Software. There's also a how-to video. It's really handy for somebody who's just a little bit less technical than me. I do have to say, whenever it comes to uh, f new features, I always get so excited when it's an exclusive thing. You know, like it's just a little extra benefit of, oh, I'm in the know and starting out on this feature. Yeah, so we'll have that linked in the SoundCloud description. Check it out. Uh, last on the Atlassian updates, Jira Service Desk 3.14. Uh, again, fairly minor update. Uh, but they've added a couple new views, particularly when uh, you're looking at all the projects as an administrator. Um, so you do have to be a, a Jira administrator, but when you look at sort of the project admin, you look at the list of projects, it's now easier to see how active a project is by looking at when was the last ticket created. So if you look through all your projects and you go, huh, nobody's created an issue in this project for like seven months, maybe now we can archive it or, or get rid of it or, or something. Um, and this feature is actually in the new version of Jira software as well. So it's just becoming a standard thing. Uh, see when the, the last issue was, was created or updated. Um, so small, but you know, helpful quality of life improvement. So that's all the news that was in the releases. Let's talk a little bit about how Atlassian prioritizes the features that they work on in server and data center. So Kara, you are an account manager That's at Adaptivist. Right. Client services. Client mm -hmm. services account manager. 
uh, and you're balancing a lot of different things. I'm a people person, and I want to get the tools in the hands of the people. <laughs> how do you how do you prioritize that? What's sort of your your process as you're thinking about what to get done and and what to do before the other things? Well, so because I came into Adaptivist and the Atlassian ecosystem as a little bit less technical, um, you know, I'm really highly cognizant of the fact that there are more end users than there are devs. So when we're thinking about um, how to take care of the most people. Okay, so like focusing on the different roles helps prioritize, you know, get stuff done for the majority of the population. One of the things that Atlassian talks about, they, they talk about roles that they use for prioritization. Uh, they also sort of have a list of things that they think about, particularly with data center of, you know, is the feature helping deliver uptime or business continuity? Does it in, you know, facilitate uh, performance at scale or improve that in some way? Does it, does it add more flexibility? And those are things that I think about a lot in terms of uh, our training that my team develops. So again, not a software developer, right. uh, but we're using Jira and Confluence to write training and we want it to be very flexible, we want it to be modular, we want it to perform at scale. And so those are things that we we think about a lot and we're gonna prioritize features that meet that, that goal. Uh, so this blog post that we've got about prioritization, I think one of the things that highlights, it doesn't address directly, but it really indicates that Atlassian has thought a lot about kind of their vision for their products and what the goals of those products are and what they want to achieve. And by having a really clear vision uh, and objective set, it makes it a bit easier to prioritize because things say, well, does this feature do these things? Does it align with what we want to accomplish? And if the answer is yes, prioritize it up. If the answer is no, or if it only serves a small subset of the population, if it's you know something in their Jira system that not many people have voted for, maybe they prioritize that lower and it's got it's to wait for some of the other high value work. So a key priority for client services is I want as much of my time to be spent with my clients. Mm -hmm. So any process that we can automate to go faster so that I've got more time with people answering questions and really connecting about what they need, how they're using the tools, what they might find confusing. I mean, even when it comes down to questions about billing or questions about you know purchase orders and payment terms, it's really about the people for our department. And we want to make sure that our team is, is able to spend the time with the clients clients instead of, you know, clicking a bunch of buttons that maybe script runners, something else mm -hmm. like that can, can click for us. Yeah. 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 And this article includes with building with our values. And I think that value of focusing on people, um, is really key, both, you know, adaptives throughout the Atlassian community and as they're prioritizing features for, for data center and server. Um, I know a lot of the, the, this article doesn't address, obviously a lot of the stuff we just talked about with cloud and how those features prioritize. So if anybody from Alaskan is listening, it'd be really cool to see a uh, sort of a companion blog post. How do you prioritize for cloud? <laughs> Let us, us know. Tell us all about it. Tell us more. And on the subject of telling us more, let's talk a little bit about uh, some ways to create transparency at work. This was a, a blog from Keisha at Atlassian uh, published um, actually quite some time ago. So a little bit of a throwback Thursday here uh, for you. Um, but this showed up sort of at the, the front page of Atlassian's blog. And I think it really spoke to something that, you know, Karen and I have both been talking about a lot lately. Yeah. 
yeah, I really enjoyed this vlog. I thought it was excellent. And everything goes back to this first point, being honest and just all of the benefits that we have in our workplace when we can rely on honesty, when we're held even accountable to our honesty. So I noticed item two talks about share your results, even when our results include failure. One of the things that I was told early on when I started at Adaptivist was uh, that cliche about it's not the crime, it's the cover up, you know, it's mm. not the mistake. And my boss started from the very get go. In fact, I would say from my interview to start at Adaptivist said, if there's a problem, if there's a mistake, come to me, talk to me, we'll solve it together. There are no mistakes that are going to end life on earth as we know it, but be sure to, you know, come and talk to me if there's a problem. Don't, you don't have to be by yourself in this. You don't have to suffer alone. Try to solve it yourself. Mm -hmm. and that kind of goes to this third point about breaking down silos. Early in my days for Adaptivist, I got really involved with the app EasyBI, which was a huge learning curve for me. And I had a lot of questions and I learned a lot of things. And then as time went on and other people started started using EasyBI, it sort of spread through a couple different reporting opportunities at the company. I had some people who I consider to be, um, they, they're genius dwarfs me. You know, I'm just a small, dumb person in the presence of greatness saying, oh, I'm not sure how to configure this, or how did you get that to turn that color? And being asked a question about how to use an app when I knew this was a senior, excellent, skilled person really built a lot of confidence for me, and it really provided just just a reinforcement of that flatter structure where you know everybody helps everybody and we can lift up those who are maybe feeling newer and insecure and help them see you have a lot to offer and then when you've been around for a little while there's you know there's no shame or embarrassment there's no negatives to reaching out for help when you're doing something new yeah and i i think it's particularly interesting Kara, that you highlight we they talked about that in your interview. And this is actually point four on, on these five ways to create transparency, which is effectively hire people who care about transparency. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that, you know, I've, I see this a lot in the Atlassian ecosystem. Um, and it's been, it's one of those things, it feels even dumb to say it out loud. Like it's just so obvious. Hire good people and they'll do good work. <laughs> like, like who out there is saying, I'm going to hire a bad person. And yet, and yeah, so it's often you do. It can um, be a challenge. And it's it's often like when you know somebody's like, well, you know, what's what's going on? Adapt this. How how is this? And it's like, well, you just hire the best people, and then you just keep them, and that's really all there is to it. It just sort of works out after that. Transparency is the same way. Um, the challenge, of course, is identifying that. Uh, so. You know, the, this blog post indicates 87% of people want to work for transparent companies, but how do you filter for transparency in an interview? And so it's, it's important to think about that in advance and to ask good questions in the interview. Ask about things like failure and how somebody overcame failure and uh, ask about how they handled conflict and get like specific examples of like, tell me about an uncomfortable situation that arose at work <laughs> and how did you resolve that? And uh, if they if they're not comfortable talking through that, you know, think about how much less comfortable they're going to be talking about it when, you know, they're seeing these people every day, mm -hmm. and their their paycheck relies on it. So, it's good to get that out as early as possible and make sure that you are, you know, you're hiring for it, and and that we just sort of build that in as part of the foundation of our culture of um, of doing this. And the reason we do it is. I mean, it's not just to be buzzwordy of like we are transparent. Mm. Like that's 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 not an end on its own. Right. Um, by by 
building in that transparency and that openness and that honesty, it helps us work better together. Like Absolutely. your example with EasyBI, and it just it, I think it makes us like healthier. Yep. You know, emotionally. And mentally. I think that's true. I think that honesty at work, when one person is honest, it signals other people this is a safe place to be honest. Mm. And then it, that just builds on itself. Yeah. Yeah, which brings us really to our last article of the week. Uh, this is titled Right Sizing and Teeter Totter. Um, and uh, this was published just a, a couple of weeks ago, again on the Atlassian blog. But it's an interview with uh, Ryan Vanny or Ryan Vonnie. Ryan, if you're listening, the CEO of Buckwild, I apologize uh, for, for not necessarily knowing the pronunciation of your name, but um, he's the CEO of this uh, digital ad agency in Sacramento. And by right-sizing, what he's really talking about is getting that balance between work and life right, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out what that, what that looks like and what that culture is. And it's interesting, his very first answer, how do you describe Buckwild's culture? We are very transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. It's a little mind-blowing how transparent he is. Even in this article, he talks a little bit later on about his own um, journey of overcoming alcoholism, going to rehab, and says, you know, this is a deep and a, and a heavy topic. And we talk about it at our workplace, and we even have some running jokes, lighthearted ways of, of handling a serious subject. But, you know, I read about that, and I just think that's exactly right. You know, when we have this transparency and when we bring our whole selves to work, like he says, you know, then we all grow together. Work isn't then a place where I need to get through my 40 hours so that I can go and be a human the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. But rather, my humanity is something I get to experience at work, at home, and I'm growing and developing personally and professionally. And, you know, just kind of blurring those lines. It's something that our CEO, uh, Simon Hayden Williams, talks a lot about of, of blurring that line between life and work. And it's something that in the past, I've been much less comfortable with mm. because I, I came out of a work environment, my previous job, where like I just I had to work all the time. That's what it meant was mm. work all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you've got a healthy culture where people can talk about their struggles and you know their life is put first, and that's one of the things he talks about is like Buckwild has unlimited vacation time. And mm-hmm. He said people generally nobody abuses it. It hasn't been a problem. They've been doing it for eight years now. Um, you, you do end up with blurred lines between life and work, but not to the sense that you're working more, more to the sense that your life has come into work and you're just a bit happier all the time. It's true. I really feel like some of the best friendships I have, I've developed in this job, and that hasn't necessarily been the case in past um, in past professional environments. And I think when, it, when we talk about work-life balance, you know, I, I feel like before Adaptivist, I really didn't know how good it could be. When work-life balance is prioritized, you know, I feel like a lot of people talk about work hard, play hard, and again, that's kind of like a, a smokescreen for work hard, work hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, but, you know, when you have a lot of honesty and transparency at work, when you have people who value their vacation time and take it, and you've got the people at the top of the organization really signaling to everyone else, take the four weeks, take the, you know, the time that you need, I think it really provides just some stability and some trust that allows me to feel free to work a lot when I'm feeling passionate, there's a lot to do, and I'm excited about getting it done. And then maybe to scale back a little bit and and have some more time with my family on the slower times, you know, client services, all of that budgets and things, these come in an annual cycles, you Mm -hmm. know, every day isn't going to be an eight hour day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
for those of you listening, I, I know it can sometimes be tempting if you're if you're not in a work environment like this, your your company isn't, you know, maybe isn't as transparent or doesn't have as good a balance or like you're maybe not encouraged to bring your whole self to work or you don't think that's possible. Um, it's, you know, it's this isn't a unique thing to Adaptivist. Um, and it's not necessarily unique to Atlassian either. There are a lot of companies in the Atlassian ecosystem that do this. Atlassian certainly does it, which is now on the New York Stock Exchange and has thousands of employees with mm-hmm. multiple offices around the world. Uh, like, I, it was interesting. I was watching a video last week of a, this, this product manager talking, and he said, you know, dealing with experimentation and trying new things, the really big companies say, oh, well, a startup can do that because they have nothing to lose. And all the startups say, well, a big company can do that because they have all the money. And it's like, well, no, all of us could do this. We all can can try being honest with each other. There's no, like, there's no, like, hurdle to jump <laughs> to, to just be honest and, and transparent and share yourself. So um, if it's something that you would like to learn more about, Again, you know, check out the, the posts in the SoundCloud description or feel free to reach out to us at learn at We're happy to talk more with you about it or anything else that might come to mind. These might even, I think these links are great conversation starters if you wanted to forward this blog post to your boss or to a colleague and say, you know, this sounds really great to me. How could we build a little bit more of that into our company culture? I think reaching out and asking for help is always a great strategy to see change come about when maybe you're not in what you'd consider the most ideal situation. Absolutely. Some great advice. And with that, we're going to close it here. Thanks for joining us yet again at Adaptivist Live. For Kara Gecki, this is Matthew Stubblefield signing off. See you in a couple of weeks, hopefully with Ryan and Brenda back and a far superior podcast for you. <laughs> right after that vehicle passes. Yeah, that's a good idea. I prioritize not recording the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs>